I always want to give you plenty of time, and even for all of our guests, to prepare for this. January the 9th through the 29th is one of the most critical seasons every year for our church. It's 21 days of prayer and fasting. And we just deeply believe in this, that prayer really changes things. And it, it, this literally creates spiritual momentum in my life every single year. Breakthroughs happen. Miracles happen. I see God show up. And some of you, you really need God to show up big time in your life. And I encourage you, one of the best disciplines that you can have is to get up every single morning during the 21 days of prayer and come to the church building or be online at 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. and go after God with us Monday through Friday. And then Saturday, mark your calendars 9 a.m. to be in the building or online and let's go after God in prayer together. It's going to be a great time doing 21 days of prayer and fasting. Well, let me encourage all of my friends online today to click the share button. I believe this Christmas Eve service is going to touch someone's heart as we wrap up the series that I've been in for the last several weeks called Till He Appeared. Till He Appeared. I I'm curious on this Christmas Eve by a show of hands, even online, just lift your hand and participate. I'm curious, how many of you have a Christmas tradition or some Christmas traditions that you and your family do every single year. Just let me know about your hand. You have so, okay. There's quite a few folks. You guys have Christmas traditions. Well, my family, we have Christmas traditions as well. Matter of fact, when the kids were little, for years and years in a row, we would always gather around the Christmas tree as a family, and we would talk about the Christmas story. We would ask the kids questions about about Jesus and all the events surrounding the birth of Christ and they loved answering the questions and and then we would pray with them and one of our kids actually gave their life to Christ around the Christmas tree during this Christmas tradition and then we would wrap it all up by singing jingle bells together as a family you know one of our Christmas traditions is every year my mother-in-law makes prime rib with all of the fixings it's just something that we do every single year we have cutout cookies that we eat every year with frosting and I know the pink frosting's the best who knows what I'm talking about uh, every year I try to people try to tell me now pastor all the frosting's the same no it's not the pink frosting is the best on those cutout cookies and of course every year a tradition is we drink what Oh, I pastor an anointed church. I love this church. Yes, yes, we do. We drink eggnog. And, and, and my family, we always go look at Christmas lights together. We, we, we have our family Christmas, just the six of us together before we have Christmas with the rest of the family. So we always get together and we, 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 we open gifts and we go look at Christmas lights together. Matter of fact, we did that, that just this past Wednesday. And one of the Christmas traditions that we've had for several years when we have our family Christmas, Christmas is we all wear matching Christmas pajamas. Let me take you back through a little bit of history of the Coopers traditions. Here's, here's 2015. The Coopers, oh wow, just precious family. Check out 2016. Just the Cooper tradition lives on pajamas 2017. Come on, check out my little model right there, y'all. She's my, she's my little model right there. Oh yeah. Come on, 2018. And then we've got 2019. And come, you like that nose, church, huh? 2020. 
That was last year's Christmas picture. And then here's a picture from this Wednesday night. There's the Cooper family Wednesday night doing our Christmas tradition. And then we got all in the car in our pajamas, except for one of my kids would not wear his pajamas to the store. But we went to the store and we got our, uh, we got our hot chocolate and we looked at Christmas lights together as a family. I love our Christmas traditions. But can I tell you, the number one tradition that I love the most about our family Christmas is that we have peace in our home. And here's why I treasure it, because we haven't always had peace at the Christmas season. I don't know why, but for years in a row, my wife and I, my wife and I always got into our biggest arguments at Christmas time. And I don't know why. We just, we just argue, fight mad. I'm talking about mad. We got a six hour drive to go see family. I don't want to ride with you mad. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, arguing over silly stuff. You taking that suitcase? I mean, you know, I mean, just, 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 just arguing. I don't know why we're arguing, but we're just at each other. I'm mad and upset and angry. Tiffany's crying. I mean, it was just, just drama every Christmas. But you'll be proud of us. We've grown up some. We've matured some. And we've had now peace in the Cooper home for several years in a row. And now Tiffany, she's here with me now. Be good now. We're going to make it through another, we're going to make it through another Christmas with the tradition of peace. And I realize for some of you, one of the best Christmas gifts you could receive this Christmas season is peace because you're sitting here today and you find yourself stressed relationships are fractured. You find yourself anxious, tired, lonely. You find yourself maybe grieving the loss of a loved one. Maybe you find yourself highly frustrated. You're deeply saddened in your heart. And you're thinking to yourself on Christmas Eve, I do not have peace. And God knew, church, God knew that peace would be one of the most sought-after commodities in our world. And that's one of the reasons God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, into the world. And Isaiah prophesied this about Jesus 700 years before he was born. And I want you to see what Isaiah says about Jesus in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6 for to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. The government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Everybody shout the word Prince. Yeah, online, would you just type the word Prince, Prince? It's a very interesting word there in the Hebrew. Oftentimes, when we think about the word prince in our English language, we think about the son of a king. But, but that's not what this word is referring to. The word literally means head person, captain, lord, governor, the man in charge, or the go-to guy. The, the, the Romans had a very similar word for their ruler. He was called a 
Caesar. You've heard the name Julius Caesar, Augustus Caesar, Nero Caesar. They were the head guy. They were the Lord. They were the captain, the man in charge of the nation. So when you hear that Jesus is the prince of peace, that means he's the head guy over your well-being. He's the captain of your wholeness. He's the go-to guy for rest. He's the ruler over your peace. Church, it's so important that you understand that the economy is not the ruler of your peace. COVID is not the captain of your well-being. The stock market is not the Lord over your wholeness and wellness. Listen, church, the housing market, the gas prices being high, the alcohol bottle, the pill bottle, the ice cream container, Social media, friends, your spouse, a boyfriend or girlfriend, your kids, the Christmas gifts underneath the tree are not the ruler of your peace. Jesus Christ is the prince of peace, the captain of peace, the Lord of peace. But you're thinking to yourself, some of you find yourself thinking, but... I don't have peace. I am anxious. I'm nervous. I'm scared. I'm fearful. I am a mess on the inside. Pastor, pastor, how do I allow Jesus to be my prince of peace? I desperately need peace during this Christmas season. How do I get it? I want to share that with you today. Number one is this. Peace comes from surrendering to Christ. You can't have the peace of God without having peace with God. The, the peace of God isn't like the peace from this world. You see, the world's peace is dependent on what's happening in life. The world's peace comes, is based on, on, on your circumstances, on, on the situations happening around you. But the peace of God is constant. God's peace is present in the midst of trials, in the midst of trouble, in the midst of tribulation. God's peace is present in the midst of COVID, in the midst of chaos, in the midst of division, in the midst of a mess, God's peace is present. But it's impossible to have the peace of God without first having peace with God. The scripture says in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 13 and 14, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he, catch this church is so key, for he himself is our peace. So sin separates us from God. And when we find ourselves separated from God because of sin, that means that we're separated also from the peace of God. Understand this. You don't have to chase after peace. You have to surrender to the prince of peace. So many people are chasing after peace. They're chasing after it through a bottle. They're chasing after peace through appeal. They're chasing after peace through a person or through popularity or chasing after peace through, through, through money or possessions. They're, they're chasing after peace, but you don't have to chase after peace. You have to surrender to peace. Jesus 
himself is our peace. Romans says it like this in chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ gives us peace with God. You do not have to chase after peace. You have to surrender to the prince of peace. Jesus is our peace. Acts chapter 10 and verse 36 says, you know the message God sent to the people of Israel, telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Jesus is Lord of all, and he wants to be your Lord. Peace comes from making Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. You don't have to chase after peace. You have to surrender to peace. And here's what happens. When you surrender your life to Jesus Christ and make him the Lord of your life, at that very moment you get peace with God. Your sins are forgiven. And then you will also have the peace of God. Jesus is our peace. And some of you Find yourself here tonight, and you're thinking to yourself, Pastor, I've given my life to Jesus Christ. I've placed faith in Jesus Christ. I'm a believer. I know that I have peace with God. I know that my sins are forgiven. I know that I'm on my way to heaven, but I do not have the peace of God. How is it that I have peace with God, but don't have the peace of God? Pastor, is it possible to have peace in the middle of all this madness? Can I really maintain the peace of God. And I want you to know that it is possible to have peace in the midst of the madness. And I want to help you today, all the Christ followers today, to maintain the peace of God in the midst of the craziness in our world. And here's how. Number two, you maintain the peace of God through prayer. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6 and 7 says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Church, don't worry about it. Pray about it. 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 Worry is useless. It says, tell God your needs. Tell God what's on your mind. Tell God about the heaviness that's on in your heart. Tell God your struggles. Tell him your anxious thoughts. It goes on to say, not only pray about it, but don't forget to thank him for his answers. So you got to learn to thank God for answering your prayers. Thank God for peace of mind and peace of heart. If you're going to maintain the peace of God, you've got to learn to thank God by faith. God, I thank you I have peace in the middle of this storm. I, I thank you I have peace in the midst of COVID and chaos and death. God, I thank you that I have peace at the Christmas dinner tomorrow when the relative who gets on my nerves says something crazy and I want to punch him in the neck. I thank you I got peace, Jesus, but I just wanted to bring the message to your streets. I thank you that I have, I have peace. And verse 7 says this, if you will do this, if you'll pray about it, not worry about it. If you'll thank God, you'll pray about it, not worry about it. You thank God, you pray about it, not worry about it. And thank God, if you do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than 
the human mind can understand. His peace will keep your thoughts and your heart quiet and at rest as you trust in Christ Jesus. Pray about it. Thank God. Pray about it. Thank God. Pastor, how do I maintain the peace of God in the midst of the madness? Number three is this. You maintain the peace of God by maintaining peace in your relationships. Romans chapter 12, verse 18 and 19. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. As far as it depends on you. Let, let me teach you this really quick. You know what that already is letting us know? The scripture is letting us know that it's not always possible to have peace in every relationship. But as far as it depends on you, you do everything that you can to have peace with everyone around you. And yes, as you are striving to live at peace with everyone, it's true that there might be somebody who doesn't reciprocate it and they do not want to have peace in the relationship. But I thank God that my peace is not predicated on people. My peace is predicated on me honoring God. And if I honor God, if I do honor all that I can do to live at peace with everyone, then the peace of God will continue to flood my heart and my life regardless of what you do. And the scripture goes on to say this, Pastor, how do I honor God so I can keep the peace of God in relationships? What he tells us in verse 19, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will, I will repay, says the Lord. So your peace is not predicated on a person. Your peace is predicated on you honoring God with your life by saying, God, I'm going to do all that I can to live at peace with everyone. So how do I do that? Because some of you find yourself today without the peace of God. And do you know why? Because you're taking revenge. You're talking bad about people. You're not trying to live at peace. You're gossiping. Some of you are already plotting. You can't wait for Christmas dinner tomorrow with the family. Child, did you hear what you hear? What she, did you hear what she's been doing? You hear? You're tearing others down. You're trying to get even. No, you can't. You got to do all that you can to live at peace with people. You got to forgive. You, you got to love. You got to be kind. You got to be a person of peace. And if you will do that, you will maintain the peace of God. Your peace is not predicated on a person. Your peace is predicated on you honoring God. Number four is this. How do I maintain the peace of God? Number four, you maintain the peace of God by honoring God with your life. I want to share a very key scripture that I think is going to be really insightful and that will help you experience and maintain the peace of God. Here it goes, Romans 8, verse 5 and 6. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind. Now, you got to catch this. You got to catch this. You got to catch this. Letting the sinful nature, the flesh, control your mind leads to death. But letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. One of the quickest ways to lose the peace of God is to let your flesh control your life and your thinking. 
Some of you had no clue that you have been forfeiting the peace of God because of how you're living. When you live a lifestyle of lying and cheating and greed and pride and sexual sin and gossip and tearing people down and backbiting, you just live a lifestyle that doesn't honor God. It'll rob you of your peace. That, that, that verse says this. The verse says that those who are controlled by the sinful nature, it, it says that it leads to death. Now catch this. Pastor, what does that mean? It means when you live a lifestyle that does not honor God, it will kill your peace. It leads to death. And I'm talking to somebody today that you are making up your mind. You're not going to continue to forfeit the peace of God for temporary pleasure. It's not worth it. You don't have peace of mind. You don't have peace of heart. Oh, you have a temporary pleasure, but there's, there's, no, there's no lasting peace with it. And God loves you and I so much that he sent into the world the Prince of Peace. Jesus Christ, that if you will surrender your life to him, you don't have to chase peace. You don't have to change yourself. You just surrender your life to Jesus. And today he's going to forgive you of all of your sins and peace will flood your heart. Here's what happens in a moment like this. The flesh rises up. The flesh wants to stay in control. The sinful nature wants to stay in control. So there's this resistance happening right now. God's trying to draw you because he loves you. But the sinful nature says, no, stay in it. Uh, don't listen to that preacher. Uh, just keep living how you're living. You, you, you can't stop doing what you're doing anyways. Just, just stay in what, you're, in what you're in. And there's this resistance that comes up because it's a spiritual battle. But I'm saying, don't resist God. He loves you. Surrender to the Prince of Peace and you will have peace with God and the peace of God.